I've been granted magical powers to change the Oscars. Well, not really, but I'd tell you what I'd do if I had been given those powers right now. Hello everybody, I'm Dan Merle, here with the latest in my series of If I Ran videos, where I take on the throne of running various different things around the entertainment industry. And today we're taking on one of my favorite things, but also one of my favorite things to complain about every year, which is the Academy Awards. It seems like year in, year out, it's a love-hate thing because I love movies and I love the idea of the Academy Awards so much. And yet there's so much about the system and the show that I think could use a little bit of tweaking. So in this hypothetical world, I have been granted full control over the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences, and no, I'm not going to use my power to give Tony Collette an Oscar first. I'll do that last after I do all of this other stuff. But before we get to that, I have a laundry list of changes that I would do if I were given control over the Academy Awards ceremony. And let's start with some behind the scenes changes. We'll look at some changes to the show itself, but I think there's some tweaking that you could do as far as the voting and everything else before anybody even watches the show. And that starts with my number one thing that I would change limit the Academy voters. As it stands right now, the Academy is comprised of members who are Oscar nominees invited by current members of the Academy or both. We don't really know who the members of the Academy are, and that's a small change I'd also make. I would make that information public. And after taking some deserved criticism in the last 10 years or so, the Academy has made great strides as far as inviting a more diverse membership and bringing more people into the fold. And so I would kind of go down that same path and institute a rule that would ensure that the people who are voting for Academy Awards are also people that are currently working in the industry, and I'd institute something that's basically a five-year rule. In order to vote for the Academy Awards, either at the nomination stage or at the awards stage, you must have been active in the film industry within the past five years. That could be any sort of work. It's basically to weed out people that may have been Academy members for 50 or 60 years, haven't made a movie in 10 or 15 or 20 years, and yet have the same voting power as somebody who is in the trenches every day that's honestly seeing more movies and knows more about the industry as it stands right now. The exception to this rule would be if you win an Academy Award. If you win an Oscar, you get lifetime voting privileges, but otherwise, I want to pare down the voters to people who actually have the pulse of the entertainment industry right now. If you are inactive in the industry for over five years, that doesn't mean that you get booted out of the Academy. You're still a member, you get all those rights and privileges, you're basically on emeritus status, but you don't get to participate in the voting for what's going on right now. And some people may say that's callous, and you know, I debated this actually in my head for quite a while. And as with any rule, of course, there will be a waiver process, but I also think that this can sort of shape the voting results potentially to be more reflective of what people are actually looking at and enjoying today and not necessarily reflecting the tastes of yesterday. Next up on my list is something that's actually needed outside of the Academy, but I only have powers right now inside the Academy, and that is campaign reform. Oscar campaigns are usually determined by the pocketbooks of the studios behind them. So I wanna even the playing field a little bit, and the first thing that I would do would be to establish a cap, and I don't know how much an Oscar campaign actually costs, so I'm not gonna sit here right now and tell you what that cap is, but through research and talking to different studios, you would establish a cap on campaign spending 
per studio or per movie every single year. And it's up to the studio how they want to spend that money. If they want to take their entire budget and throw one big party where, you know, everybody can come get a bear hug from Paul Giamatti, then that's great. If they want to use it for advertising and not do any big events, then that's great. I'm not going to sit there and tell a studio what to do with their money. All I want to do is to make sure that each studio or each project has the same amount of money to work with. Secondly, and this is something that came up last year with the whole Andrea Riseborough situation, I would remove restrictions on what Academy members can do privately. If they want to host a party for 25 friends because they have somebody, a friend of theirs who they think put in a great performance, I'm going to allow them to do that with a couple of caveats. Number one, these must be registered events with the Academy. So basically, I'm not saying you can't do them. You just have to let me know that you're doing them. And then there would be an attendance cap. You can't throw a 1,000 person party if you're Steven Spielberg and say, oh no, this was a small event for friends. You can maybe cap it at 25 or 50 people. But this is basically a way for a smaller movie that maybe can't even raise the amount of money for an Oscar campaign to hit the maximum amount that we're allowing as the Academy to still get the word out organically. I don't think that the Academy should be policing what their members are doing privately if they're doing it at a responsible scale. The third reform that I'd make as far as the Oscar voting in the campaign season involves what's called the Academy Screening Room, which is where studios can upload their movies for Academy members to watch at home. Currently, you have to pay to have your movie on that screening room thing. I would take that requirement away. The Academy makes plenty of money. There's no reason to have studios have to pay to have their movies there. If a studio decides to push a movie forward for an Academy Award, then the Academy should be able to host that movie on their platform only for Academy members free of charge to that studio because this isn't about raising money. This is supposedly about recognizing the best in film for any given year. My next suggestion is probably the most inside baseball suggestion, but I think that it's going to solve an issue that's existed within one of the categories at the Oscars for a very long time, and that would be to revise the international film rules. As it stands, each country submits one film as its designated nominee for Best International Film, and that is the only film that can be considered in that category from each country. Usually that system works, but sometimes we have a case like this year where France chose a movie other than Anatomy of a Fall to be their designated nominee for Best International Feature. Anatomy of a Fall is one of the most nominated films at the Academy Awards, and yet it's not nominated in that category. France's pick didn't even make the cut, and it just feels like an incomplete category because Anatomy of a Fall should be competing as one of the best international films of the year. I would loosen that restriction so that each country still has one official designated film. You want to make sure that every country has a shot at being nominated for Best International Film. But I would also allow the people that are on the committee, and there is a committee that decides what the shortlist for the Academy Award nominations for Best International Film are, I would empower that committee to consider an additional film from a country if they deem through some sort of a majority vote that that film should be in consideration for the award. Now, the catch would be that a country cannot have more than one film nominated for the Academy Award or on the shortlist for the Academy Award for Best International Feature. So it might be a bit of a gamble because if they decide to put in Anatomy of a Fall and the other submission from France is also popular, then it's possible that that could split the vote. It's a calculated risk, but I think it's more inclusive of more movies, especially in the case of Anatomy of a Fall, or let's say a movie like Godzilla Minus One, which might not be Japan's official designated nominee, but which somebody on the committee can say, hey, I think we should consider this one as well.
So under this system, let's say we have The Taste of Things, which was the movie that France actually submitted as their designated international nominee this year. And then you have Anatomy of a Fall, which is also a French film. If both of those movies receive enough votes to make the Academy shortlist for Best International Film, then the movie with more votes is the one that makes it. The second lowest vote total is eliminated, and then the other movies move up the list. If neither movie has the number of votes necessary to get on the shortlist, then neither movie makes the shortlist. And if one movie has enough votes to make it on the shortlist and the other one doesn't, well, then the one that has enough votes to make it on makes it to the shortlist. I think that this acts as a check on a system that has one major flaw, which is that it does sometimes exclude some of the best movies of the year and is a way to merge the way that things work now with the way that things could perhaps work better. Okay, so this next suggestion sounds bad, but I promise you it's not. This channel is not making a sudden ideological turn, but I think that it's time for the Academy to drop their new diversity standards as far as films that are eligible to win Best Picture. And listen, I'm in favor of the idea behind these guidelines, which was to encourage studios to hire a diverse and broadly representative group of people. My issue is that the guidelines that are currently in place are extremely performative and they are so broad that they basically retroactively include almost every, if not every Best Picture nominee for the past couple of decades. I think it's an empty gesture that the Academy made in order to make it seem like they are doing things to make progress, but without actually having to put rules in place stringent enough to eliminate anybody from contention. And I don't think that we need empty gestures. And I think it also opens up the door potentially for some very uncomfortable decisions or conversations to be made because the way that the diversity standards work now, you have to have people in certain departments or in certain categories meet certain standards. You know, group A and C can meet these standards if group B and D don't. But let's say that there is a movie where the Academy says, well, I'm sorry, but there's not somebody in group C that meets the standard for being a person of color or being as part of the LGBTQ plus community. Well, that could put somebody in the awkward position of saying like, well, I'm not publicly part of the LGBTQ plus community, but if I don't say anything, then they're going to eliminate the movie. I just think that there are a whole lot of weird ramifications from this system on top of the fact that I don't think that it is particularly effective. I like the idea behind it, but I think that this is counterproductive, honestly, on the part of the Academy. And all it does is stir up controversy in service of something that really does nothing to achieve the goals that they are actually looking to achieve. I think that instead of focusing on empty rule changes like this, the Academy should be focusing on functional, tangible, actual reform. They've done that a lot with their membership in the last several years. I think they can look at other rule changes like the work requirement that I mentioned earlier that could perhaps make sure that the academy is more, more reflective of today's academy and not yesterday's academy. There has been some progress inside the academy. It is by no means where it should be, and it does not erase the sins of the past. But I think that you do have to keep making that progress, but make sure it's actual progress and not just something to put in a press release. My next suggestion would bring more people into the fold on the nomination side, and that is to expand the field of nominees. More movies are being made now than ever before, and yet the individual achievement categories, director and the four acting categories, are still locked 
at five nominees. I would change these categories to basically function on a form of the way that Best Picture used to work. It worked for a while that Best Picture wasn't locked at five nominees or 10 nominees. It was locked at somewhere between five and 10 nominees. And if you got a certain percentage of the vote, they basically set a threshold as far as the percentage of the vote that you got, then you would be in the nomination field unless it exceeded the maximum number of nominees. So basically for the four acting categories and then Best Director, I would lock the field at a maximum of eight nominees and a minimum of five nominees. And I would say, let's say 10% of the vote is the threshold. If you get more than 10% of the vote, then you are automatically elevated to the nomination list unless there are more than eight people that got 10% of the vote. And then it would be the eight highest vote getters overall. Now, if only five nominees got 10% of the vote, then you'd have five nominations that year. If seven nominees got 10% of the vote, then you'd have seven nominations that year. That's why you cut off at a certain threshold, the number of nominations. So it would flex a little bit from year to year, but you're also guaranteed to get, I think, more of the actual top contenders nominated each year instead of arbitrarily locking it at five, which doesn't take into account whether it's a strong or a weak field in each category from year to year. Last year, for example, in the Best Actress category, I think that it's likely that a threshold system that would allow between five and eight nominees would have allowed for the inclusion of Andrea Riseborough into Leslie, obviously because she was one of the top five vote getters. But my guess is by the votes that came in, it would have also included either Viola Davis and Danielle Deadweiler, or perhaps both of them in the best actress race. So you could have had the inclusion of those two actresses that were left out last year, as well as the underdog story of Andrea Riseborough getting the nomination. And I think that that's something that kind of makes everybody happy. You're allowed to make a little bit of history. You still have this story that's not tainted by the fact that it came at the expense of two other actors who didn't get nominated. What's so wrong with putting in more people that the Academy deems are worthy of a nomination if Greta Gerwig got 11% of the vote this past year and Justine Trier got 12% of the vote? Well, let's include them both because obviously the Academy feels almost as strongly about the two of them. And if Greta Gerwig didn't make the cut, if she didn't get the number of votes that would be the threshold, well, then you know that it wasn't because she was just shut out because of a small field of nominees. As long as the threshold for getting nominated is meaningful, and I think it would take a lot of study and looking at the voting results to decide what the threshold should be, then I don't see a problem with having a little bit of variability. And all it does is invite more people to the party, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. My next few suggestions concern the categories at the Academy Awards, always a hotly debated topic. Just this past week, the Oscars added a category for for casting and casting directors, which is really not a surprise because casting does have its own branch at the Academy, which has been lobbying the Academy to get their own category. Well, I think that there are some other categories that should be added and mostly from people that don't have their own branch in order to lobby for an Academy Award. And the first category I would add is one that I think should have been added a long time ago. A lot of other people think so too. And I was actually surprised that this wasn't the category that was added to the Oscars. We are going to add a category for stunt performers. We have Oscars for sound, camera, visual effects, acting, production design, costumes, hair, makeup, now casting. Why is there still not a category for stunt actors? 
It is a craft that is as technical as any of the other crafts. It is, I think, as important to the seamless suspension of disbelief as visual effects are. And so let's stop excluding these stunt performers. This would be for the stunt coordinator or the head of the stunt department. And I've heard the arguments that say, well, if you add a stunt category, then stunt actors, stunt performers, and stunt coordinators are going to start performing more dangerous stunts in order to win the Academy Award every year. And to me, it's like, well, have you seen what stunt performers are doing right now? I don't know how much more dangerous you can legally get than what the stunt performers are currently pushing the envelope doing. Let's get them a seat at the table. Let's add this category at the Academy Awards and let's make them feel as valued as so many of their other peers have felt valued by the Academy. Next up, I would add a category for young actors. This is for actors that are under 21 years of age. And I wanna be clear that I don't think that acting as a craft is any different for talented young actors than it is for older actors. And I don't think that they should be treated differently. However, it's increasingly obvious that the Academy does treat them differently with very few exceptions. So if they're already going to be treated differently, let's give young actors their own category. And when you look at the potential winners over the past, let's say 20 or so years, I think that you also have the opportunity to recognize some of the best performances in film that went sometimes nominated by the Academy, but not awarded, and sometimes not even nominated by the Academy at all. Of course, I'm talking about Haley Joel Osment in The Sixth Sense, Haley Steinfeld in True Grit, Kovanjane Walls for Beasts of the Southern Wild, Jacob Tremblay for Room. This year, I think that Milo Machado Grenier and Dominic Sessa should have been nominated for this Academy Award. If the Academy's not gonna treat these actors on the same level as their peers, then let's give them their own category. And I don't think that you're going to have a problem each year filling this category with talented actors and performances that are just as good as the ones that are nominated in the other categories. This might be my most controversial suggestion for the addition of a category, but I think that it would in a way acknowledge that the Academy's history is fluid and ever-changing, and that's the addition of something that I call the Legacy Award, which would be given to one specific film 10 years after its release. And what this is basically intended to do is not to diminish the movie that won Best Picture, but to acknowledge a movie that over the past decade has established itself as having a lasting legacy in film. So if you go back 10 years, for example, 12 Years a Slave won the Academy Award for Best Picture, and I think deservedly so. I'm not looking to lessen or diminish that win in either way, but when you look at other movies that came out the same year as 12 Years a Slave, you've got movies like Frozen and Gravity, The Wolf of Wall Street, Fruitvale Station, even a horror film like The Conjuring, all of which have had lasting, long legacies, have influenced the world of film, introduced us to filmmakers like Ryan Coogler so many years later, and weren't recognized for Best Picture by the Academy. Academy at the time. And while Best Picture winners aren't necessarily disqualified, if it's deemed that 10 years later, the Best Picture winner that year has the best legacy, then it could win that award. Imagine retroactively looking back at movies that didn't win Best Picture. For example, in 2005, where you would have been looking back at film year 2004, imagine a competition between Pulp Fiction and the Shawshank Redemption for the Legacy Award. Not that Forrest Gump doesn't have a legacy, but those two films really had such a lasting impact past the years that they were released when they didn't win Best Picture. I think that this would be a way to re-examine the films from the past. I think it would be a way to get people energized and excited about movies that would then be a decade old. And I think it would be a way to acknowledge the filmmakers and the people who made these films that even though they didn't take home the top prize, perhaps, they could still be recognized for their achievement 
10 years down the road. So I added a bunch of categories. I think the important thing that I'm going to underscore is that the one thing we will not be adding is the popular Oscar. No popular Oscar. There will not be a discussion of an Oscar for popular films or big box office draws. The hope would be that we would curate an academy that would be capable of discerning which of these movies are worthy of recognition at the Oscars, and you don't have to put popular movies in their own separate category. I also think that the whole movement toward a popular Oscar was cynical. I don't think the Academy really cares about recognizing movies that made a lot of money at the box office. They got their success at the box office. I think that they were desperate to attract new viewers and they wanted to put movies that normally wouldn't be nominated for Academy Awards in the contention for this Oscar, but I just don't think that it's necessary. Plus, you have a lot of years. For example, this year, Barbie is in contention for a lot of awards. Oppenheimer's in contention for a lot of awards. And I go down the list of highest grossing films, the popular ones, quote unquote. I don't know which ones really should be in contention or how many of them should be in contention beyond the ones that already are. So yes, we're going to be adding a lot of categories, but we will not be adding one for popularity. I've got a lot more suggestions on what I would do if I ran the Oscars, but before we get to those, I want to thank the sponsor for this video, ExpressVPN. If you've ever been on a plane, then you know that demonstration that you get every single time about what to do in case of emergency, but think about if you'd ignored that every time. What if those yellow masks dropped down and you didn't know what to do? Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like not knowing what to do in an emergency. Sure, disaster might not strike, but why take the risk? If you connect Wi-Fi in public, at a coffee shop, at an airport, or a hotel, you open yourself up to someone hacking that network and accessing your data. And people are getting good at it. With ExpressVPN, your data is in a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet, and it would take a hacker with a supercomputer to decrypt that data. And ExpressVPN doesn't just work on a computer, it also works on your phone, laptop, tablet, however you like to stay connected. Whenever I'm traveling, it's great to know that my data is secure, even if I'm on a network that's shared by hundreds of strangers, and that peace of mind is well worth the cost. And it's so easy to use. Literally one button lets me know that everything is safe. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com Merle. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com Merle, and you can get an extra three months free free expressvpn.com slash Merle. So those are the changes that I would make behind the scenes before the Oscar show even begins. Let's get to the changes that I would now make to the telecast itself. And my first one involves the whole structure of the Oscar telecast, which is to say that hosts are optional. I'm not saying that you never have a host. If you can get Hugh Jackman, get Hugh Jackman. But a host should be somebody who carries the entire show, not somebody who comes out and does an opening monologue and then has to invent bits in order to stay relevant for the rest of the night and justify why they're getting a paycheck to host the Oscars. If you want somebody to come out and do a great monologue, get a great comedian to come out and do an opening monologue, right? A 10 minute set. And then you don't see them for the rest of the night. You still have a great opening to the award show, but you don't have to make up reasons for this person to keep hanging around in a way that inhibits the flow of the show itself. Hosting the Oscars is a thankless job anyway. It's why so many people have turned it down and it's gotten even worse in the era of social media when you're not just getting ripped apart by the press, but you're getting ripped apart in real time by people that are watching at home. And a lot of people might say, well, you need a host because how else are you going to publicize the Oscars? You need a face to tell people to watch the Oscars. Well, you have access to literally some of the most famous faces in the world. Use them, hype up the movies, hype up what you might see on the night of. I don't think that you need 
need a host to do any of those things. If you have a great talent that can actually bring a source of continuity to the night and add value throughout the night, then sure, hire them on to host, but otherwise just bring in some of the talented people that are already in the room. However, not having a host doesn't mean that there's not going to be any comedy in the night, which is why you curate your presenters. Award show patter is usually painful. But with a host out of the way, you can give a writing staff room to come up with stuff for teams of presenters. They can be co-stars from popular movies of years past. They've done that recently on the Oscars and a lot of other award shows. I think that's a lot of fun. Or you can team together some funny people like Kristen Wiig and Will Ferrell. They had a bit that I thought was really funny at the Golden Globe Awards. The point is that you can still strategically bring talent in to inject the Academy Awards with life and humor without having to saddle one person with that entire job. It keeps the award show flowing. It keeps a sense of variety coming and maybe people watching because they don't know exactly what's next. And it keeps the show interesting, which is something that most Oscar shows, quite frankly, need, especially about halfway through. And when we talk about the length of the show, I know I just suggested the introduction of a few different categories. Well, I think that that's going to necessitate one thing. And again, I think this will be controversial, but you have to make tough decisions sometime. And I've been given hypothetical power as the head of the Academy, which means that I'm going to take all the criticism for this decision without the benefit of it actually happening. But I would move the awards for shorts off of the Academy Awards telecast. And that's not to say that the artists behind the short films are not filmmakers. They are just as much as the artists that are making feature films are. But I think that it makes sense to have the Academy Awards telecast be the one that celebrates feature filmmaking every year. Now, I'm absolutely not saying that the Academy should stop giving out awards to the filmmakers behind short films. That can happen at any number of honorary awards things that happen before every Oscar telecast. And you should recognize the winners on the telecast, maybe even bring the winners out to present an award so they get that moment in the spotlight. They should get tickets to the Oscars if they win the Academy Award for Best Short Film. I'm not saying exclude them from the party entirely, but I just don't know where where it fits in, in my vision of where the Oscar telecast should be. Next up, when it comes to winners, as the Academy, I would remind them that speeches are about feelings, not names. It should be underscored to all winners that while, yes, this is a moment of great personal achievement for you, the Oscar telecast is meant for the enjoyment of the people that are at home watching. And if nobody's watching, then why even have the telecast at all? So while I'm sure it's tempting to go up there and recite the names of everybody on your payroll, I also think that what people want to hear is what this moment means to you. Speak from the heart. If you want to thank your high school drama teacher, that's fine. But if you want to thank your lawyer, your agent, your publicist, your manager, your nutritionist, and all of the people that are paid to help you throughout the industry, well, I'm sure, first of all, that they know that you're grateful. Secondly, you can thank all of them later that night. And thirdly, you just won an Academy Award. So my guess is that all of their rates are going up because you can start charging more to be in movies. So isn't that the best kind of thank you? Genuine emotion is what we're going for here. Whether you're a first-time winner or you're Meryl Streep or you've been nominated 20 times, we want to know what this moment means to you, not what it means to a list of people that nobody's ever heard of. Next up, I have a couple of editing notes, which isn't really that surprising considering that I got my start as an editor. And we're going to start with a don't here. Don't show clip montages. The Oscars are about celebrating the movies of this year, not previous years. While it's nice to take a break, 
and look back at the legacy of dogs on film, I also think that the Oscars are about the new classics that are being made today, not the 27th look at Judy Garland saying, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore in The Wizard of Oz. Here, though, we have a do when it comes to editing, do show clips of the nominated films. The Oscars are here to celebrate, but also to educate. So for example, instead of running off the names of all the nominees for best production design or best sound, come up with a video package that actually shows people at home what those categories are for and why people are winning those Oscars. Do a feature where you show a scene before and after the sound pass. Do a feature where you show the production designer at work. There are behind the scenes crews on almost every movie at this point. Why is it important that they win the Academy Award? Why is it important that their job is recognized? Because it is important. Educate people about these categories. And by the way, if you educate people about what the categories are and why it's important that people be recognized, then they're going to start caring more about those categories instead of just seeing them as filler between the quote unquote big awards at the beginning and the end of the ceremony. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. One uncommon thing here as I revise the Academy Awards is that I'm actually going to go back to the way that the Oscars used to do something and that's to bring back the televised honorary Oscar. Did you know that in the last 10 years, Hayao Miyazaki, Jackie Chan, David Lynch, Samuel L. Jackson, and Angela Bassett all received Oscars? I bet you didn't know that because a little over 10 years ago, the Academy Awards stopped televising the presentation of the honorary Oscar that was given out every year to a director or sometimes to a composer or to an actor. Some of them were Academy Award winners. Some of them have never received an Academy Award before. Well, I am rolling the clock back and I am bringing that back to the telecast. Now, it may cut down on the number of honorary Oscars that the Academy gives out, or they may have to decide if they select one to be televised, or maybe they do an abbreviated presentation where they bring out the two or three people that they decide every year to give an honorary Oscar to. But this is something that I think was cut for the sake of quote unquote, cutting the show down that actually cuts something out that people want to see. Stars getting awards is actually one of the things that people at home enjoy seeing, especially stars that perhaps have been overlooked their entire careers for Academy Awards. Let's put them back front and center on the telecast and show people at home another way that the Academy decides to honor those who have done distinguished and outstanding work over the decades. My next suggestion is to know your audience. Time and again, the Oscars keep making decisions to broaden the appeal of the show, often at the expense of the movies and the nominees. The Oscars have to understand that at this point, cinephiles and movie fans are the core key demographic 
of people that are watching the Oscars. They keep trying to do things to say, well, we have to bring in the casual viewer to the Academy Awards. The casual viewer stopped watching the Academy Awards around the time Return of the King won Best Picture. The entertainment space is just too fragmented at this point. And so the Oscars are basically chasing ghosts. They're chasing the ghost of an audience that's no longer interested in their show. But at the same time, they do things that make people that actually care about movies say, what are you doing? As a movie fan, I don't need some half-assed rendition of we don't talk about Bruno on the ceremony so that you can publicize it, even though it wasn't even nominated for Best Original Song. That's just going to serve to alienate more people than it brings in. Cater to your core audience. Understand that movie fans love this show. They're going to watch the show every single year. And by the way, if you institute some of these other changes, then I think organically it might already start bringing in people who tuned out because they don't like the way that the telecast was going. This next suggestion is hyper-specific and only really applies to one Academy Awards ceremony, but it was a decision that was so stupid that I think it has to be codified always end the show with best picture. You wouldn't think this needed to be said, but then a few years ago, the Oscars gambled on a Chadwick Boseman win for best actor. He didn't win best actor. Instead, it went to Anthony Hopkins, who by the way, was brilliant in The Father and deserved that Academy Award, not that Chadwick Boseman didn't. And Anthony Hopkins wasn't even there. So they gave out best picture. They gave out best actor last and it ended on, all right, Anthony Hopkins isn't here. Good night. It was one of the worst endings for an Oscar show I could think of. I would say it was the worst ending ever for an Oscar show, but they did actually give the award to the proper recipient. So, you know, that extremely low bar has been cleared. My final suggestion actually applies to post-ceremony after the Oscars happen. And this is another thing that could shake things up and, you know, maybe upset some people, but I think it keeps interest alive in the same way that the Legacy Award does, which is that 10 years after a Best Picture is given out, voting totals are released publicly. Don't you want to know how close the race was between Moonlight and La La Land? Was Green Book an insanely popular Best Picture winner or did it just squeak by? I initially said that you should make all of the voting results public, but I do see in the individual categories that it would be embarrassing for the fifth place finisher if it turns out that like, you know, they got 0.7% of the vote. So this is just going to be constrained to best picture. But again, I think that this keeps the legacy of these different movies and the conversation about it alive. You can go back and revisit a best picture winner from 10 years ago and you can see, oh wow, 79% of the Academy voted for Return of the King as the best picture of the year. Or you can look back and say, wow, Brokeback Mountain was 27 votes behind Crash. That's how close the margin was to one of the greatest best picture upsets of all time. I think it recontextualizes history, it adds more information, and again, it keeps alive these conversations from Oscar ceremonies past. I don't see a lot of harm in this, honestly, and I think that it would just be another way for the Academy to keep its history fluid and to keep its legacy current. So those are my suggestions for what I would do if I ran the Academy Awards. What do you think? Are there any changes that I didn't make that you would make? Do you think that some of my changes are dumb? Let me know down in the comments below. And as always, thank you so much for watching here on the channel. Stay tuned right here for more movie news, reviews, box office, and of course, awards coverage as we get closer to Oscar night. Thanks for spending part of your day here with me. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye.